and I kind of wanted to do something different. And then last night we had an unfortunate um, trip. We had to make a, an unfortunate trip to the ER with my son, Josiah. Um, he's okay, but he smashed his finger in one of the doors at our house. And it was pretty gnarly looking. So I said, honey, we might want to take him to the ER, make sure that thing doesn't get infected. And sure enough, he had fractured the tip of his finger. But he's such a, a little man. I mean, he's just sitting there. The doctor's working on his finger. He's like, so what are you doing to my finger right now? And he's like asking the doctor questions. Oh, you're gluing the skin together. Oh, and he's like putting glue on it. So he ended up fracturing it a little. And, and uh, um, he had to put it in a splint. And he's such a big boy. Uh, so while we're on our way to the ER, and I'm like, okay, I have a few things ready for today. And then the Lord began to just download from heaven in the emergency room. I, I don't know why. It's just the strangest thing with me. Like, we'll go to a movie, and I will literally, I'm walking up to the theater. I'm like, here it goes, Rochelle. Here we go again. And I get messages from heaven at movie theaters. And I think sometimes the Lord's like, okay, I'm going to give it to you to see if you really, if you really appreciate my manna. And then, and I, and I, sometimes I'll miss a lot of the movie and it has nothing to do with the movie, but there comes this manna, this download, the voice of heaven. I'm just like on my phone, you know, the people behind me are like, turn your phone off. No, they don't say that, (laughs) but you know how you're not supposed to have your, so I'm in the theater and so I'm at the ER last night and I'm just getting this download, this download from heaven. I'm like, Oh, this is good stuff. And I'm feasting. So I want to talk about, I want to share with you uh, some things that are on my heart. I, I feel like, and I, and I talked about this, that we have to understand that we live in the spiritual realm and the natural realm. We coexist in both realms at the same time. They superimpose one another. We have to understand that there is not a separation between the spirit and the natural. Now, when we when we learn that, we also have to learn that we cannot live compartmentalized spirit, soul, and body. And I wish I, I would like to on a Wednesday night, maybe take two or three Wednesdays and really get deep into the spirit, the soul, and the body. How many would want to come on a Wednesday night to hear that? I mean, I want to pull out the, the dry erase board and get some visuals to really help us understand uh, who we are. And, and really help us understand that sometimes we live divided. And I, I want to give you an example. Some theology teaches that there, that the soul is bad. That, that, you know, have you ever heard the, the term soulish? And like, and we get these terms and like soulish or, or, oh, I just want to do what the spirit wants me to, or my spirit wants me to do, but not my soul and my body. Well, that's really not a biblical view of who you are as a person. The Bible says that we can do the will of God from our soul. Now, there's some great teachers out there, E.W. Kenyon, and uh, he was a master at teaching us uh, that w- who we are in Christ. But he used dualistic language that, that divided us as a being. And sometimes we live divided. And if we live divided as a being, we cannot flow in the supernatural. There's not a harmony within our being. And what happens is we begin to beat ourselves up. And we begin to think that, that there's something wrong with us. Or, or we begin to think, and we don't understand sanctification. Sanctification is spirit, soul, and body. God is sifting us. Or he's, uh, you know, he's removing the dross. He's refining us. It's a daily process as we grow and we become more like Jesus. It's the most beautiful thing. But he doesn't just sanctify our spirit. He sanctifies our soul and our body. 
Not everything your body desires is bad. Oh, I'm just trying to crucify the flesh. Every day I'm trying to... That's not really... A, that's a death-centered view. The Bible says we're called to live out this new life. You already died with Christ. Stop trying to kill yourself. And this is so vital for us to get this. And I want to recap a little. So you made me hear me recap a little, but I want, I want us to get this. Soulish is not in the Bible. That word soulish. Have you ever heard that word? And, and there's authors out there that... that they coin these phrases like soul power and it's death centered. And if we are rooted in this, then, then that's what we're going to minister to people. And we're constantly going to be looking overly introspective in our being and our being is not in harmony. We are one being spirit, soul, and body. And when God redeems us, he redeems the whole thing. He doesn't just redeem our spirit. And then someday our soul and our body get in line with that. He redeems us wholly. 1 Thessalonians 5.23 says, May the God of peace, I love that, the God that brings order, the God that brings rest from our enemies, the God that comes and puts his foot down and makes things straight, the God that brings peace, peace with God and peace with man. This is the message of the gospel. It says, May the God of peace sanctify you wholly, W holy, Hold the whole being, spirit, that your whole spirit, soul, and body be preserved blameless until the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ or the day of our Lord Jesus Christ. God is sanctifying us wholly. This is so important for us to get because sometimes we think that we're half redeemed. You're going to live half redeemed. And you're not going to be able to minister redemption to people if you're walking with wrong theology and, and you live divided. Are you getting this this morning? Sometimes we permanently disqualify ourselves or, or we disqualify ourselves with wrong thinking. Until we start thinking right, we're going to stay dis- disqualified. We're going to continue to beat ourselves up. And here's the thing. We're either feeding religion or we're either we, were, we are maturing in relationship. It's, it's one or the other. We're either feeding religion. Many times our messages, what we hear, what we like to hear, we are literally feeding pre-cross behaviors, victimized uh, mentalities. And, and we're still thinking that, you know, there's something wrong with me in it. No, you are all, it's, the Bible says all things have become new or some translations, new things have come. Jesus came, he dwells in your hearts. At the very core of your nature is Jesus, not dysfunction. In your spirit, soul, and body, the heart's the center of your being, spirit, soul, body. The whole thing, Jesus comes to dwell in it and he makes things new. We cannot live divided. We must live in, in a place where we are in harmony with God and we are in harmony with ourselves. And, and that, that actually means love yourself. Well, I just can't. I hate myself. I'm beating myself because this flesh is so wretched. And Listen, a lot of that theology, if we had time, we could talk about how St. Augustine, which he had some really good things to bring, but there's, there's a lot of bad theology that entered the church around the 4th and 5th century, and then it just kind of kept going, and then, and then there's even more in Reformed theology. Some stuff we need to unlearn. Some stuff we got to rethink. Some stuff that we got to say, wait a minute, is that really the biblical view of the spirit, soul, and body? Because if I don't understand that the, if I don't get that the spirit realm and the natural realm are not separated, or I, I don't get that sometimes I live separated, and it's like we have this, we are, we are identifying with bad theology and in essence becoming schizophrenic spiritually. It's so quiet in here. 
I wish y'all would have had your coffee this morning. I wish somebody in the front row would give me an amen or a holla at your boy. I wish somebody would come alive in this place. As you see, I had mine. Oh, glory. That's, that's Whole Foods coffee. Me and Lars hit up Whole Foods this morning. It was nice, man. Little eggs, little peppers and sausage. And, mm. But I want you to get this. I want us to get this. Sometimes we live divided. And what happens is we begin to live actually less responsible. Well, that's just the evil part of me. And we give more credit to, to the old man that died. We give more attention to the old man instead of understanding and identifying in Christ that I was made new. And my very nature, at the core of my nature, I'm new. And now I can love myself. Praise the Lord. I don't need to hate myself. I don't need, listen, self-hatred is, is such a killer of, of life flowing out of you. You can't love the world if you hate yourself. You can't even love your neighbor as you love yourself. If you don't love yourself, then you sure ain't going to love your neighbor. Hello? Well, I'm just going to love other people more than I love myself. No, you need to love yourself as you love your neighbor. Love your neighbor as yourself. Well, that's just new age. No, it's not. Treasure who you are in God. If you don't think, if you don't think that you're great, you'll never be great. Hello? If you're still living in mediocrity, it's because you think that you're mediocre. If you understand that you're a son and a daughter and you are capable of changing the world, then that's what you're going to walk in. I see this in, in 1 Corinthians 11, 12, 13, and 14. I will write a book on this. I, I see the second message I ever preached as a church, we met at the VFW, a place where warriors gather. Come on, somebody. Our very second service, we were in the Saxby's coffee shop, our first service. We had about 20 adults in this one room and some kids outside, and we were loud. And they said, you can't come here next Sunday. So we said, God bless you. We'll come throughout the week and drink all your coffee. But we met at VFW, and the message I preached was about value and significance. It was about understanding how valuable we are to God and how we value ourselves, and it changes the way that we live out Christianity. And one of the cries of my heart was always, Lord, when we plant this church, I want to see real fellowship. I want to see the real deal. I don't want to see this Pharisee Christianity where we show up and like, God bless you. You know, and it's like, I just, bleh, it makes me want to puke. Like, you know, sometimes we got to have fierce conversations. Sometimes we got to say, hey, this is in my heart. Let's work this out together. Let's let this make us closer. Let's let this strengthen our bond. Let's let this teach us how to stay in harmony as a people. I want real fellowship. And so the message has always been burning in my heart. The message of understanding that how precious we are to God. And I see this in 1 Corinthians 11, 12, 13, and 14. All the chapters. Paul is writing to his children. He's writing to this church that he planted. And he's trying to get them to understand how precious they are. And he starts talking about division in the body. And he starts talking about how every part is significant. And actually, the reason that we're individual members of one body, it doesn't make us less significant, but more significant. We think the other way around. Well, I'm just a toe. (laughs) Break your toe. You'll realize how significant it is. 
It happened to me when I jumped off a building or a, a building. That sounds so dramatic. Jumped off a building. I'm just radical for God. I jumped off a roof on a hose and it snapped. I broke my toe. I realized every part of my body is significant, even my stinky big toe. Even if your toe has fungus on it, it's still significant, Chris. Praise the Lord. I love you. I'm just playing. We have to understand that we are individual. We're diff- we are all different instruments, but we're called to release the same sound of love. And just because you're a guitar and you want to be a drum doesn't make you less significant. You understand that there's a distinct sound that you carry and you are your being. And when you release that sound, it comes into this glorious symphony where we are tuned by the love of God. But Paul is trying to get his kids, his immature. He said, you're babies, you're carnal. You're just thinking you're, you're death centered guys. That's why I'm preaching Christ and him crucified. Cause you got to get back to that. You're, he, he, you died with him. He told the church of, you know, in Galatians two 20, I've been crucified with Christ. It's no longer I who live. It's Christ who lives in me. That's the life he's, he lives in this flesh, in this body. That's the life he lives, not the death he dies, but the death he died. Well, Paul said, I die daily. He was talking about persecution. He wasn't talking about killing himself. Romans 7 was the old man fighting. It, it was the, the man under the law, not under grace. We always look at Romans 7. We're like, oh, I just, that what I want to do. And Well, stop thinking that way. That's the divided man. You need to read Romans 8. Don't stop at Romans 7. Read Romans 8 and get victory. Who can save me from this body of death? Paul says, it's the spirit who gives life to my mortal body. So Paul's writing to the church of Corinth and he's saying, I want you to understand how precious you are. It reminds me of my, it reminds me of anyone's. And there's, you know, there's some ladies in here that are pregnant, I believe. And there are some that have recently had babies and And there's such a joy about having kids. I think Paul was very joyful when he planted this church. But there comes some times where the baby arrives and it changes a little bit. You know, you don't get as much sleep. How many moms and dads out there know exactly what I'm talking about? Raise your hand. And, you know, you're, oh, my precious baby. And then that thing starts crying in the middle of the night. And you're like, she's so cute. I love her. But I got to get up now, you know. And I, I know that uh, I know that it's one thing to change. And I'm gonna get a little graphic here. I'm sorry, but I, it's one thing to change a newborn's diaper. But as that baby grows and starts eating real food, it becomes like it's a whole nother level. And I think it's the same thing with the church. Sometimes we mature, and it gets even messier. But it's part of community. It's a part of that fellowship that hurts. Oh, oh, you're sandpaper to me, but I love you, Jesus. I love you. It's there's, I'm telling you, we are fitly framed together. That is why God says, I will indwell that because you can withstand what I'm going to pour out. You're the wine skin I'm looking for. So I can pour out the new wine, a community fitly framed together because we know how valuable we are before God and we can actually value each other. If we don't get this foundation, we will not be able to manifest heaven. This is the fundamental. And if I don't understand how much God loves me, then I'm going to mistake when people don't love me for God not loving me. 
there's times where I, you know, I've been going through such, and God's like, that wasn't me that chose not to love you. That was just people. Let it go. Oh, that's so liberating. It doesn't change my view of God. You've got to have that first. I think that there's such, such a blessing in church growth as we become community, as we become, we, we learn that God is divine community and then that we are in unity as a being and then we become unity, we become community. And that is the sound, the song, the life that emanates from our community to the earth, to the broken, to the orphan is the song of acceptance and inclusion into the love of God. This is so big. This is so huge that we have to understand that in the process, as, as we grow as a church, that it's all about learning that we're discovering our worth and we're learning to love each other. Let me read you a few scriptures um, about your significance. Because you got to love yourself. I just speak against self-hatred right now in the name of Jesus. You need to stop hating yourself, blaming yourself for stuff. You need to... St- Listen, one of the reasons that we constantly find fault or we criticize others is because really we're criticizing ourselves deep down. There's some things out of order in our heart. And we've got to understand that we're children of God. Do you remember a couple weeks ago when I was sharing with you how to hear God's voice? That when you're born again and you choose to submit to Jesus as Lord and you say, Jesus, I love you. And, and your, your heart opens up. A seed is implanted in your heart. You're born again. The Bible says that we are children of God now. Behold what love the Father has given us that we should be called children of God. First, uh, first John chapter 3, verse 1. And we read in Romans 8 where it says that we haven't given the spirit of fear to bondage, but the spirit of adoption, we cry out, Abba, Father. That is the core of how God will speak to you is saying, you're my child and I love you and you're accepted and you're beloved. And your response to God is, oh, daddy, oh, father, you're going to take care of me. You're good and I love you. And there's something that's so important about that that we must get. It's the, it's the foundation of Christianity. When you're born again, Jesus heard the voice of his father. He's being baptized and he heard the voice and everyone around him heard. It was confirmed that he was the only begotten son of God. Jesus didn't need to be born again because he was born from above. He preexisted his birth. And he was born out of the conception, the immaculate conception of the Holy Spirit in a virgin named Mary. And, and we have to understand that when we're born again, this is, this is the reality of our significance. God is saying, you are so significant, and we actually understand it and hear it for the first time. Oh, wow. See, that is the message we're supposed to preach to the world. Not you're a sinner and you need to repent. You're a son, and God's just waiting for you. His arms are open. You've already been accepted. He's already shed his blood for you. He's waiting for you to come. Jesus gave the illustration in Luke chapter 15. The father is just waiting for the son to come home. He looks, his gaze is at the horizon, waiting for his son to come to his senses. This is the message of acceptance, love and acceptance through Jesus. But we cannot preach it if we're not living it. And we can't live it if we don't understand we're accepted and beloved. You're so valuable to God. Stop beating yourself up. If you beat yourself up, you will consistently 
disqualify yourself from ministering, from walking in grace. Stop beating yourself up. Matthew 6, 21, wherever your treasures, there your heart and thoughts will be. See, what you value and how you measure value in life will affect your whole being and the outcome of your life. I'm going to say that again. Whatever you value, wherever your treasures are, your heart and thoughts will be also. Whatever you value and how you measure your value is going to affect your whole being and your outcome. Jesus said, look at the birds. They don't need to plant or harvest or put in food in barns because your heavenly father feeds them and you're far more valuable to him than they are. Matthew six twenty six, Psalm 139, 17. How precious are your thoughts to me, O God. How great is the sum of them. Wow. Oh, that verse just burns in me. Do you realize that God is thinking highly of you right now? Well, I, I'm not supposed to think more highly of myself than I ought to think. And I, Don't take that verse out of context. You need to think. You need to see yourself the way God sees you. You're a son and you're a daughter. Psalm 17, 8, keep me as the apple of your eye. You're the focus of God's love right now. Not the focus of his wrath, not the focus of his disappointment. Daddy is not disappointed in you. And when you see that, when you get it, you become alive. You walk in that newness. Oh, God, you're not disappointed in me. Now I can live. Now I can live life. Now I can call the lost bride home because I know I'm accepted. So you got to understand your worth. Number one, your value, your significance, your sonship. Paul was trying to get this through to the church. 1 Corinthians 11, 12, 13, and 14. He says, you're baptized in one spirit. See, in the manifest presence of God, not only do we learn our significance, but we learn the significance of the body. Our hearts bow to Jesus. Our agendas bow. Our agendas turn into vision. Our eyes are open. We see how good God is to us, and then we see one another, and something dynamic happens. We know our worth. We know love. We know significance, and then we learn to actually love each other. You can't love each other if you don't know your value. Every hair on your head is numbered. Each hair is like your individual DNA code, your own unique fingerprint God gave you that only you have. The Bible said he's, he's going to give you a new name that only you and him know. I love that. Isn't that awesome? It's so intimate. God's like, I want to share secrets with you. That's the God that we serve. He's such a gracious, loving father. Zechariah 9.16, you're the jewels of my crown. The most expensive diamond ever sold so far was for $24 million. That's a lot of money. $24 million. God says, you're the jewels of my crown. Just think how rich his jewels are. The jewels of heaven. You're the jewels of my crown. The crown that I wear. Wow. God wants to display you. He want, you're his bling. Come on. He wants to lift you up like a banner, Zechariah 9.16, that you catch all the rays of his glory. Jeremiah 1.5 in the Amplified, Before I formed you in the womb, I knew you, and I approved of you, my chosen instrument. Say, I'm a chosen instrument. 
Guess what? We're all different instruments too. That's what's so unique about this whole thing. It's beautiful. You ever been to a symphony? You ever been? Raise your hand if you have. It's so moving. God created music so we could worship. Sound released to magnify the nature of God, the very nature of who God is. He is love. The Bible says you're his chosen instrument. Before you were born, Jeremiah 1.5, I separated you and I set you apart. I consecrated you. I appointed you as a prophet to the nations. God set you apart. God set you apart. He set you apart because he wants you all to himself. He burns jealously for your heart to get this. You are so valuable. Now, when I learned this, when I learned this, I can actually value things in life. This is so, so big. God, let it, Holy Spirit, let us get this. Psalm 135.4, for the Lord has chosen Jacob for himself, Israel for his special treasure. Oh, I love that. I'm God's special treasure. Come on. He actually treasures me. You know, that revelation alone, we will walk in so much joy, we won't know what to do with ourselves. Will you stop smiling? Oh, my, I'm his treasure. <laughs> Hallelujah. God, God treasures who you are. He loves you. When we learn that, we learn to love. You know, we, from, from love, we learn honor. With, without a motive, we honor when it's not deserved. I can love you without a motive. You don't even have to be for me, and I'll love you. Oh, man, this is so important that we get this. And we can never... The reason it's number two, learning to love each other, is because we cannot make the mistake of confusing people not loving us from God not loving us. Then we go back to square one. And we're still thinking there's something wrong with us. We're still thinking that God made us wrong. We're still thinking blah, blah, blah. And we, we write novels in our head about all this stuff. And it's like, no, I, I, I gave you a new nature. I live in your heart. You're accepted. You're my daughter. You're my son. Just walk in it. Just point your heart at me. And when we live that way, I will, I'll never, listen, rejection wounds. You ever been rejected before? Everyone, listen, I'm so accepted by the Father that rejection from people, which I don't want to discount because God uses people to demonstrate his love. This is, I mean, it's really, without people, you probably wouldn't even be saved, right? I mean, God used somebody to reach you. But don't ever mistake your own personal acceptance with God with somebody rejecting you because people make mistakes. Romans 8, 38 and 39. I was reading one time, the Lord gave me this revelation and I'm reading them. Death, nor life, nor angels, principalities, powers. I was quoting it a couple of weeks ago. Nothing can separate us from the love of God. Yet we allow little silly things to separate us from our love for one another. Right? I mean, the smallest things. I, I've looked at, you know, situations in my past, and I've heard people, they come to me, I was offended because this, and I'm like, why didn't you just tell me? 
or, or it was like the most petty thing. Somebody was upset at me for like two years or something. Have you ever had that happen? It's like, I don't, I don't get it. Why do we allow, or maybe we've done it. Maybe we've allowed some little thing to build this huge wall. And then we miss out on the blessing of one another. Don't let little things separate you from each other's love. We're baptized in one spirit. You see, when in Paul's teaching the church of Corinth this, he says, I hear there's divisions among you. He said, God's approving those that are among you. He's exposing the real from the phony. But I want you to understand you're baptized in the one spirit. It's not just talking about water baptism. It's not just talking about the baptism of the Holy Spirit. He's talking about when you come together, the manifest presence is there. You're an assembly, not just a gathering. You're fitly framed together. You're baptized in one spirit. You become one. It's, it's beautiful. But if we live divided and we don't know our significance, we can't live in unity and harmony with one another. See, when the manifest presence comes, we bow. When Jesus shows up, your heart bows. Uh, worship is so beautiful this morning. Just, just exalting the Lord. You can just feel the river flowing. Um, we had the, the privilege of worshiping on Wednesday night, and Rochelle had a message planned, and we got caught up, and we ended up worshiping for an hour and ten minutes. I felt bad. I said, honey, I'm sorry. Time just slipped through. You know, the presence was just... But it, it was strange because it wasn't strange. It was good. But it was it was interesting to me that our worship just became this this exalting thing. There's something about when God shows up, our hearts just bow. Have you ever seen somebody, whether they're you know a man or woman of God or or somebody that's just a worshiper, and there's a certain atmosphere where they, like they will just get down low and they get on their face. And sometimes people live in a religious somber attitude and they still, but, but some are, it's a holy reverence. And here's what happens when God shows up, our hearts bow. Now, when that happens, it's so healthy because then our agenda bows, all our, all our expectations on one another bow. Then we're not upset at each other. Hey, it's okay. And that, that will lead me to point number three. Point number three is Christ in you. Let me just talk about this for a minute, and then I'm going to let you go. I remember learning uh, how to lead worship, growing in that gift. And I learned that we had to tune our instruments. Um, I I led worship for a youth band. And I remember I bought this guitar off somebody that I I worked with, and it would go out of tune quickly. And I, I learned that I had to tune it. Otherwise, the sound that was being released was not pleasant Hello, some of y'all know you sing, you, you sit next to somebody who sings loud and off key. God bless them. So there's something, there's something about tuning the instruments that I learned that's very important. But I also learned that the hearts had to be tuned. That you could be conformed on the outward, but if you're not, con- or, or, you know, connected on the outward, but if you're not in unity in, from the hearts, there's no substance to it. And this is, this is the point of three, is that we learn the substance. Jesus is the substance. I want to read to you Colossians 1.27. Jesus is, you know, flowing. He is the life, the living power that flows through you once we learn our significance and we learn how to love each other. That is foundational. 
Colossians 1.27 says, God wanted everyone, not just Jews, to know this rich and glorious secret inside and out. Regardless of their background, regardless of their religious standing, the mystery in a nutshell is this, Christ in you. Therefore, you can look forward to sharing in God's glory. It's that simple. That is the substance of our message. Christ in you, the hope of glory. Jesus in us. Colossians 2, he goes on. Three verses from chapter 2, just a few verses later. I want you to realize that I continue to work as hard as I know how to for you. Paul loved the church. Apostles loved the bride. And they want to see the bride function. They want to see the bride become a symphony. They want to see people walk in destiny. He says, I want you to know I'm behind you. I'm behind you. I'm on your side, right alongside you. You're not in this alone. Verse 2, he says in the message, he says, I want you woven into a tapestry of love. Isn't that beautiful? Not only woven in the heart of God, tattooed in the palms of the scars in his hands, but woven in his heart where we're woven together in this tapestry of love. Community, divine community. From the Father Son and Holy Spirit to who we are and to one another. And what happens is we resonate this thing, this substance called love. And the world hears it and they run to it. Christ in you, the hope of glory. The hope of glory. He says, I want you woven into a tapestry of love, in touch with everything there is to know of God. Then you will have minds confident and at rest focused on Christ. God's great mystery, all the richest treasures of wisdom and knowledge are embedded in that mystery and nowhere else. And we've been shown the mystery. See, at the core of our DNA, Christ in us, understanding how I've been forgiven, how I've been accepted, how I've been loved, and how now I can accept and love. And I don't put expectations on people. I don't mistake when somebody hurts me. That's not God. That's just people. And I can love. What a demonstration we see at the cross. Jesus being the substance and reality. Actually, Paul begins to teach us that in Colossians chapter 2. He says, all that other stuff was shadow of things to come. Remember we talked about living in the shadow? We understand that when Jesus was nailed to the cross, the very people that held the hammer, he said, Father, forgive them for they know not what they do. That is the substance of this covenant. See, at the core of the covenant you have with God, it was the blood shed for what? What was the blood shed for? The remission of sin, right? What does remission mean? Completely wipe away. So we come to this mercy seat, which, by the way, the mercy seat, as you know, and this is a teaching that some of you heard me teach, the mercy seat was right on the top of the Ark of the Covenant where there was two cherubim that would cover. And it says that above the mercy seat was where the very glory of God rested. See, Christ in you, the hope of glory. Now that he's in you, now, now there is a mercy seat residing in you. Where is it? He's seated on the, the throne of our hearts. You see, this is the prayer that I spoke about last week. 
This is the prayer. This is Christ in you, the hope of glory, the very glory resting on the mercy seat. We should be at the core of our DNA is the ability to forgive. This is so big. When we learn this, the world is going to come and say, I need forgiveness. I need love. I need acceptance. The world should be running to the church for this. It's unfortunate. And I know God's reforming his bride. He's making her so beautiful. It's unfortunate that sometimes religion paints the opposite. They come to the church and get lectured, condemned, or rejected. I, I want this house full of broken people. I want this house full of former or, you know, come as you are. Prostitutes, come on. Broken people, drug dealers, witches and warlocks. Let them all come and drink of living water. And they don't come to a church, well, you need to get this and that. No, you just need to come to the mercy seat. He made a way. You're accepted. You didn't hear the news? There's an adoption plan already set up for you. Oh, you didn't hear this news? Let me tell you about it. Jesus. See, at the core of our DNA with our covenant with heaven is not only understanding that I'm a son, I'm a daughter, I've been bought with a price, and I'm so valuable, and I was even valuable before the blood was shed, or he wouldn't have shed the blood. Hello? But I understand that, that there's remission, and I am, I am literally now the temple of God. And so when people come to me, they're not getting judgment, they're getting remission. They come, they come and they drink of Jesus in me. Jesus says, come to me if you're thirsty and I'll give you, I'll give you a drink. Just come. John 7, 37 and 38. And then he says, and out of your heart will flow rivers. Why? Because there's a thirsty world out there. They're so thirsty for pure water. They're so thirsty for acceptance. They're so thirsty for adoption. The adoption papers have been signed. It's a done deal. Remission is available to anyone who would receive it. God is so near to sinners. Sometimes I think, I know that he lives in Christians, but I think he's much nearer to sinners than he is some Christians. I'm sorry. He is so near to the broken and the contrite. But we have this idea that they've got to go through all these steps. No, they just got to act. They just have to open up. They just have to say yes. They just have to hear him say, you're my daughter, you're my son. And they're going to hear it through a bride that understands how valuable she is and a bride that actually loves. Mm, a glorious bride. A church that actually doesn't gossip or murmur. Yeah. It's possible. I believe it's possible. I really do. It's going to happen. Uh, fault finding, criticism, murmuring. It's only, it's an issue of, of us dividing ourselves. We still, we're still criti criticizing ourselves. This is such a big deal. But see, here's the point. This holy covenant, as we represent Christ, forgiveness. I'll remember your sin no more. Number one, I'll remember your sin no more. I'll give you a new heart. I'll put my spirit within you. So the core of what I represent in this gospel message is that people can come to this mercy seat. That is when the glory 
will rest upon the church is when our hearts become the mercy seat, not retaining, but just loving. Oh, God, enlarge my heart to love. Oh, God, I want to be like you, Jesus. I surrender. I know you've put your nature in me and I'm growing. I'm learning to love. I'm learning to love God. And I'm learning that I am loved and out of that flows this supernatural ability of acceptance to one another and to the hurting, dying world that just needs to hear this song. Let us be in harmony, Father. Tune us with your love so your glory can rest on us. Lord, let the glory of the Lord rest on every life. Christ in us, the hope of glory. You made a way, the covenant. It's a done deal. The blood was shed. It's been remissed. My sin's gone. Sin's been dealt with. It's been nailed. It's, it's gone. So now I can live out this new life. I'm not going to beat myself up. I'm not going to hate myself. Lord, you're making me new. You created in me a clean heart. You answered David's prayer in Psalm 51. You created a clean heart. Now I just got to steward my heart. Now I just have to guard it and I have to point it at the right things. So Lord, I thank you for every person. May the breath of heaven breathe upon them right now. And God, let us get this as a people. Let us get it. Let us get it today. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Would you just seal it with thanks to the...